Hello and welcome to the Michigan Murders. I'm Laura. And I'm Stephanie. Ouch. I have this massive knot in my shoulder. I built my PVC pipe chicken run construction thing yesterday. I'm not used to physical labor. (laughs) There's a lot of cutting and bending and zip tying netting on it, so... Oh, goodness. Yeah, yesterday we ended up closing early because there were only three of us servers. Oh. And right when I got there, I was just about to clock in. I had just shown up. And I was informed that I already had two tables waiting on me. Oh. Because... A girl was going to be leaving, and she had already taken on two tables. So she was just going to transfer them to me <laughs> instead of taking care of her tables. Yeah. Okay. And they were in a zone that I wasn't going to be in. Oh, so you like, way out of your way. I was like, okay. Then I asked my manager, what area am I going to be in? He tells me I'm going to be by the bar in the lounge area. Okay, fine. So I took a table in there. And then they're like, oh, no, 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 actually, you're going to be in this other zone over here. Okay, so take a table over there. So I had tables in three different areas that were literally sprawled across the entire restaurant. (laughs) Oh, no. Within minutes of me getting there. Sounds like a fun way to start the the workday. Yeah, not at all. I'm exhausted. (laughs) What do you have this week? I think you're first. Well, I have the death of Eric Cross. The night of his death, Eric was walking home from a party where he had been drinking. There had been witnesses who had told the police that they saw Cross near a gas station and that he was walk uh, talking to two occupants of two different vehicles. The police initially thought that Cross was the victim of a hit and run but later thought something different. Police thought Cross was actually killed before he was struck by a vehicle, that the hit and run was staged to make it look like he had been hit by a car. His body was found on the road near his home. Hmm. Kalamazoo County Undersheriff Paul sorry, told people that they believed Cross was killed during a hood surfing attempt. Hood surfing? Apparently that, according to what I have found, went big in the 80s. So they like to believe, like blame a lot of things on hood surfing. According to reports, there were about like 58 deaths connected to hood surfing between 90 and 2008 alone. So like back then they blamed a lot of stuff on that. So weird. Well, I mean, we say the Tide Pod thing was bad. I'd say hood surfing is probably (laughs) worse than Tide Pods. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Both are incredibly dumb. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yes, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Of the ranking of stupid things teenagers have done. Yeah. For the sake of adrenaline. Especially, I I mean, I guess. When you talk about, like, lasting things, the Tide Pod thing didn't last very long. No. 
because nobody, <laughs> I don't know why anybody would want to chew on a Tide Pod. People were dying and they're like, okay, maybe we should stop. Yeah, yeah, maybe you should stop. Yeah. With hood surfing. Maybe that's gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, with hood or car surfing, everybody's like, let's just keep doing it. And that's teenage adrenaline and thinking they're going to live forever. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah. They think that Cross fell from the hood and was crushed under the tires. But the car surfing theory is no longer being considered, I guess. Which, I mean, duh, it just doesn't... It, this case is weird. Um, in September of 2015, the sheriff's office... Uh, noted that one person of interest, Brenton Spaulding, was being held on unrelated charges. He was never charged with anything related to Cross. The police ended up naming five persons of interest, referred to as the core crew. And Spaulding was the prime suspect. In June 2017, the police stated that new witnesses were coming forward and that there may be new developments in the case. Because there had been posters being put up and paying dividends and all these people were just like, oh yeah, we've seen something now of all time. Dude, <laughs> what? It's so crazy. Like, this happened in, what, 83? Like, why are you now, like, when money's being offered, now you're gonna... It just doesn't seem... Yeah. But I digress. Um... Spalding had been arrested after failing to appear in court for sentencing in a stalking case. Mm. So they were just, like, hoping to tie it to him. For years, locals floated the idea that the death of Eric Cross is being covered up by police and the people involved in the crime. Which, to me, sounds more on point with this entire case. It's so weird. <laughs> One of the founders of a Facebook group titled Justice for Eric Cross believes it's time for people to know what happened to, for, um, to Cross come forward. She had attended high school with the Cross family. She ran track with Eric's sister, and she believes the cover-up started the night he was killed. She had said that night a cover-up plan was put into place by those involved in the crime. They would not share information with the authorities or Eric's family. The car used to murder Eric disappeared and still to this day has many urban myths about what happened to it. The cover-up happened because they wanted to protect themselves and their families from facing what was done. This involved a couple families with what back then would be considered higher standing in the community. The cover-up was always thought to include the local police and several res residents of the village. Many of those residents were students that helped hide truth and information to this day. I mean, to me, it sounds more accurate. There wasn't too much on this case because it's just so covered. Like, everything it's is just strange. so covered up. Yeah. And as of a post in 2020... The Michigan Attorney General Office will not file charges in the 1983 cold case because of a lack of evidence. He was 16 years old, and I guess he had been attending at a party that night as well. What they're saying in this post was that Cross was struck and killed by a car as he was walking home and left to die in the road. 
Although there have been several leads over the last 35 years, nobody has ever been charged with a killing. Those warrants were issued for those five people in connection, but no charges were ever filed. It's just so... Like, why? It's, it really does seem a little too neat and tidy. Yeah, it's... I, like, <laughs> you don't know what to think of it, because you're like, okay, was it an accident? And these kids didn't want to get in trouble, so they just kept it a secret. It's very, like... I know what you did last summer. Yes. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> These kids are drinking, have an accident, and then nobody talks about it. Ever again. Yeah. Right. But it, it almost seems like they've got the police covering things up, too, because, I mean, yeah, things were a lot different back then. They didn't have the blood evidence and the type of things that we can do now back then. Yeah. But there should be something. Like, if it was a hit and run, there should be, like, car paint or something near the body. There should be something. I don't, well, I don't know. I don't think paint would really transfer to a, a body. So you'd kind of be left with nothing. Yeah. And if he was hood surfing and he, like, fell off or whatever happened then yeah there wouldn't be evidence of that either yeah none of it just makes any sense whatsoever and i'm so confused all around to be honest because they had like multiple different ideas multiple people and we're just like eh, don't know which direction to go in and just gave up yeah. almost it seems yeah and that is a long time for nobody to ever come forward Right. And if it, if it was an accident after this amount of time, I don't see why somebody wouldn't be like, yes, it was an accident. This is what happened. But no, nobody is talking about it. And you're not even still. talking about what these supposed credible witnesses say they saw or yeah. following that. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's all nuts. That poor kid. Yeah. A poor kid and his poor family, because it's a long time to go without knowing how you're, like, what actually happened to your teenage son. That's just sad. Yeah. I can't imagine. So, mine is also slightly insane. <laughs> uh, as, as I was reading about it, I just, it's... <laughs> I just have to tell you about it because I don't know how to explain the level of crazy this is. Okay. okay. So the year is 1936. Raymond Cavella was a 24-year-old trapper. He was slim, wore glasses, had a temper, and lived with his parents in the central upper peninsula near Nagani. And he already has so much going for him. <laughs> I don't want to judge him too much, but... For, like, living with his parents and the bad temper and the glasses and skinny and all that stuff. But the fact that I'm talking about him is proof that he's terrible at making life choices. Yeah. So make of that what you will. Um, and also, I, I decided as I was writing this that I was just going to keep calling him Raymond. <laughs> just because it's more fun to say than Cavella, like his last name. I'm just going to keep calling him Raymond to the rest of this. On October 20th, 
Raymond was checking his traps and carrying his 22 caliber rifle. While on the trail, he came across Officer Andrew Schmelt, Schmeltz, I think it's Schmeltz, who was known to be one of the more strict officers in the area. He had driven from Nagani after receiving complaints about illegal muskrat traps. Mm-mm. And I don't know if you've seen a muskrat before, but they're like uh, mini R.O.U.S.'s. So rodents of unusual sides for the Princess Bride. <laughs> but they're ugly. And I don't know why anyone would care if people are trapping muskrats because they're they're horrifying. <laughs> they're swamp rats. <laughs> While asking Raymond about his trapping, Officer Schmeltz saw the 22 Raymond was carrying and asked for his license. Raymond told Schmeltz it was at home, and Schmeltz demanded the gun so he could look it over. Raymond got mad and shoved the officer. And then, as Raymond panicked when Officer Schmeltz stood again, Raymond shot Schmeltz twice in the chest at close range. Upon realizing that Schmeltz was dead... Raymond attempted to hide the body. He drug him into a swamp and then covered him with leaves and brush. However, knowing that someone would report the officer missing and that someone could come along the trail, he tried to think of a different way to conceal him. So on the way home, he stopped at a hardware store to pick up some dynamite. And this is all (laughs) over a gun license, too. Yes. This is absolutely insane to me. Yeah. And right. And the craziest part of this to me was at the time, you could literally just get some dynamite from a store. Like, it's the good old days. You can just blow shit up whenever you wanted to. Go for problems. Blow them up. Maybe you want to use it for fishing. I don't know. Why did they sell dynamite in (laughs) hardware stores back in the 1930s? What a golden age that, we missed out on, that Stephanie. Would be, that would be such a commercial. Do, are you having problems with rodents in your garden? Try dynamite. Or yeah. Or are you having problems with fish not biting that bait? <laughs> or better yet, blow them up? do you have a body you're trying to hide? Dynamite. Found at your local <laughs> hardware store. What? <laughs> This is so ridiculous. Did your neighbor Karen put up a fence on your property? Solve it with dynamite. Oh my then, gosh. Yes. So, <laughs> I'm not sure what the purpose of back then that you could actually buy dynamite for, but... Sorry, folks. We use humor <laughs> to, to cope. With these. It's... It's so... It's just so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. All of it. Um, so, anyway... Raymond went home after getting his explosives and had dinner with his parents like nothing happened. He went to his room like normal and waited for his parents to fall asleep and then went to take care of business. That <laughs> that business would be taken care of with 70, 70 sticks of dynamite. He went big for this one. <laughs> Is he trying to overkill a fireworks show? You would, you'd think, um, you know, just a, a couple would probably yeah. you know, do the job or you whatever. Would th- but you'd think. What? I mean, I don't know how big the sticks of dynamite were. How, apparently, but, how know. big was the officer? What? <laughs> 70 seems like overkill, <laughs> but that's just me. So 
Raymond placed dynamite around Schmelz's body to completely obliterate it. The blast was massive, sending rocks, dirt, and debris about the radius of a football field. However, after the dust settled, Raymond found it didn't quite work out the way he hoped. It was a horror show. <laughs> yes. Bits of Schmelz's body were everywhere. Well, yeah. In the trees, flung around the area, uh, you know, like body bits. Right. As just that's kind tree of confetti. what would happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. But you could still see that it was a body, and you could still see his uniform. So Raymond's solution was more dynamite. Oh, you're joking. More charges were set, so he must not have used the full 70. He had some despair, just in case. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so more charges were set, but it didn't completely cover up what happened. When Schmeltz didn't return that night, his friend became worried and reported him missing. As dynamite blasts were heard coming from the area, big explosions, uh, police and Schmeltz's friend searched there. The morning after the explosions were heard, Two men discovered pieces of flesh, a spine, two legs, uniform pieces, underwear, dynamite powder, and bits of scalp and intestine near Pickett's Lake in Nagani. Ugh. They concluded that it was the missing Andrew Schmeltz. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how they caught him exactly. I would assume, you know, they realize it's dynamite, go to a hardware store and say, who bought dynamite that seemed suspicious or that has never bought from before <laughs> like <laughs> oh yeah that one weird kid who doesn't barely talk and lives with his family that guy yeah he's they got the guy that's 27 and still lives with his parents and is a little bit odd maybe maybe the trapper guy because what does a trapper need dynamite for common sense uh police soon arrested raymond for the crime as dynamite found in his house matched the dynamite at the crime scene. So, you know, he just kept some and brought it home for safekeeping. In case he had another body to dispose, I guess. I don't know why. I mean, like, leave it? <laughs> why, why are you bringing spare dynamite home? That doesn't seem safe. Uh, Raymond confessed to the crime, but claimed that he only shot Schmeltz because he thought... That Schmeltz was a partridge. Yes, I also, I also sometimes confuse people for small birds. It's oh a problem. <laughs> this is so insane. I see what you mean now. So Raymond was eventually he confessed and claimed that he was insane at the time of the murder, but the court wasn't convinced. Right. I, I could see the insanity <laughs> there for sure. Because uh, anyone who decides a way to get rid of a body is dynamite like that back then. Just, um, like I said, doesn't make great life choices. I don't trust where his brain's going. So, The prosecutor in the case was John Volker, who later in his career wrote the book Anatomy of a Murder about a different case. Raymond was found guilty of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. He went from Michigan penitentiaries to Newberry State Hospital and finally to a nursing home where he died. So that's from like Blood on the Mitten by Tom Carr. And then, yeah, <laughs> it's the this death and explosion of Andrew Schmeltz. 
Yeah, it's so... This is all so crazy to me. Just... I didn't know it was going to get crazier after, like, shooting him in the woods. And then the dynamite just kind of threw that one over the top. Right. It's... It's like, what the hell? I don't... I'll never understand people's thought process. Because what... Like, yeah, I could understand the insanity plea because he's obviously not with it. But in reality, like, he must have that type of thought process, like, all the time. I I can't imagine the moment where you realize, like, oh, I fucked up. And then your solution is, I'm gonna blow it up. That's a that's a man that never progressed past the the teenage mindset. <laughs> right. Use this filter. Some TikTok? No, I was trying to do something for the podcast and an ad thing or a little TikTok popped up. That's not what I'm trying to do. Mm. <laughs> right, is that your uh, hell yes for this week? Um oh my goodness. Trying to think of one to be honest. I've been so worn out and so busy. I was scheduled six days this yeah. week that I'm just so like, what is good about this? <laughs> oh, um, I get to go to my son's open house for school tomorrow, and I get to figure out when that's gonna start and explain to the teacher all the ways he's progressed during the summer so that should be fun cool. he's in um was he head start or is he gonna start he, kindergarten see i thought he was gonna be in kindergarten because he turns five next month but he just misses the age cutoff um oh like i guess i like i had asked the teacher because i'd been calling the school and nobody had returned my call um so i got they have like this class dojo thing it's an app. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure if you guys use it up there. but Yeah, they have it for us, too. I went on the app and, like, messaged the teacher that he had last year. And I was like, I don't know if he's still going to be in your preschool class or if he's going to kindergarten. Because he literally, he turns five. And she had said that the age cutoff to turn five before going to kindergarten is August 31st. Oh, yeah. He stays late. I'm sorry, bud. You get to go through a whole another year of preschool. Uh, uh, over days. That's so crazy to me. So he'll be one of the oldest kids in his class. <laughs> that's kind of how it was for me, too, because my birthday's in October. So See, I was one of the youngest. I graduated at 17. But I don't know why it was so different back then. I started school really like I was able to start school really super early like why hmm. that's not that's definitely not a thing now no <laughs> I'm just like ah, she's good she can go to school and they're like okay <laughs> my, my mom must still listen to the rules then because they wouldn't let me in like they kept me in the preschool thing until the next year so mm. I don't know. Maybe I was just a dumb kid. I don't know. No, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) I think it's because I I had a lot of things. It's probably the reason I had a lot of things already in place for me mentally to where they're like, oh, yeah, she can go to school. 
I mean, like, by the age of two, I could spell my name fully. I could say my ABCs, count to ten. I had, like, I was having full, like, adult-type conversations at 18 months. I fully understood. Like, I could just have full conversations with people at 18 months, which is insane. Like, when you look at it as a parent, you're like, that's nuts. (laughs) So, I mean, I guess at that, like, at three, four, they're like, yeah, she's good. I don't know. How is that? It was the 80s. Who knows? (laughs) That's true. Um, Mine actually saw this news story on MLive from today, like 830 this morning. Those something through. So they do these. What is the name of these? They do these flights for veterans. And it's down in the Holland area. So I thought that was kind of cool. There's this old restored biplane from the 40s that this guy takes veterans up on. So it was kind of cool to see these videos of these like 90 plus year old men getting to go up in this biplane. (laughs) They said they they find it really exciting. Like they help them get into the plane because it's one of those where you have to basically go up a ladder and then swing your legs over because there's no easy in and out to that thing. And there's this one video of a 100-year-old guy. They, they help him in. He's like, I don't know how I'm getting out, but. <laughs> it was just really cool. Because I first thought, and I thought if it was honor flights or whatever, it was going to be um, they'll take veterans to D.C. to see the memorials for the day, and then they fly them back home. Well, this one's called Dream Flights in West Michigan. So the veterans they have were in World War II, and they the pilot took them out on those. So that was really awesome. Piloted by Marcus Smith. So he'd, he'd take them up one at a time in this old biplane, and then they'd just <laughs> go for a ride. So we're talking, like, props. The weird, almost, like, double wing thing, where you get the one on the top and the sides, obviously. And then, yeah, just open cockpit. <laughs> Haha, you said cockpit. (laughs) I had to. (laughs) Oh, I I feel like this whole episode was just... Fuckery. Crazy. Yeah. Just craziness. Like, both didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Yours was really, um... Your killer was very enthusiastic is that the word I'm looking for? I mean... Over the top. It, it doesn't seem like he really went for it in life until that moment. Right, right. It's like, that was the moment he decided to put all of his effort into it and, you know... Go all in. <laughs> this. This is where I make my name. That, that was his defining moment. Like, in his life. Thank God we didn't have video games or, like, all these other things back then. Because what would he have done then? Because, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this guy would have been one of those guys. Lives in their basement, plays video games yeah. all day, eats pizza rolls. Just... Maybe he would have been, like, a professional gamer. You don't know his life. True, true. <laughs> hey, who am I to judge? because you know what if he didn't have to go out 
into the woods with a gun all the time, he'd never have a reason to actually shoot anybody. In right, life. right, right. But but would he have had the social skills to to do like streaming or professional gaming? Because you got to have at least some to do that. You got to be able to connect with others while playing. You can't just be angry. And this seems like the type of guy that, like, as soon as one thing goes wrong, the whole TV's broken. That's true. <laughs> like, the controller would be... Blown up. ...in the wall or thrown at the TV. Like, <laughs> oh, God. My my character died. Let's blow it up. Dynamite, folks. I just... I, I don't understand how that was the first. <laughs> I know what to do. Explosions. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> so on that note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the episode of fuckery. Uh, well, yeah. Everyone have a great day. <laughs> Watch out for the crazies. Yes. And thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. The music titled Teller of the Tales was provided by Kevin McLeod and can be found at incomptech.filmmusic.io.